eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back again and it's the end of the regular season. Um, we're looking forward to Championship Week this weekend and that's the topic of this week's podcast. I'm joined by Maxwell, as always. How are you, buddy? Are you okay? Yeah, excited to uh, get into it. Bowl season. Yeah, bowl season just after, obviously, after Championship Week when the thing sorted itself out. We've got the final rankings for the playoffs sorted out, which I'm sure will come up in topic. Um, mm-hmm. But before that, we're going to review uh, obviously a couple of big games that happened over the weekend. Um, so yeah, we'll just get straight back into it. Previous play is under review. So no better place to begin uh, with our review, with obviously the Iron Bowl, um, Alabama and Auburn squaring off. It was a pretty titanic clash, really, wasn't it? Plenty of points, plenty of, plenty of things to talk about. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> Good question. Where do we want to start? Um, why don't we start with the fact that this was, by far and away, Bo Nick's best performance in an Auburn shirt. Mm. Um, and I've been a, as big a sceptic of anyone about him this year. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, it's not unfair because obviously, um, you know, he's had really up and down games. He's thrown some awful interceptions. Um, and although his box score probably, I mean, I haven't actually looked, but I'm sure it doesn't look great because it never does. <laughs> Lead, like you know, leadership, um, big moments uh, using his legs. Yeah, yeah. He um, he didn't play like a freshman at all, um, and he should be really proud of himself because uh, honestly, to I mean, obviously maybe it's not the Alabama side defense that we've seen uh, over the past couple of years, but still amazing effort to put up the um, the yards and the points he did. Yeah, no, definitely. I think. I think like you, I've not been the biggest supporter of Bo Nix throughout the season. Obviously, we've got to give him his duty as a freshman, playing for a big programme, playing in the SEC against good defences every week. Um, but he's never really sort of set the world on fire. But And he didn't do that again today, as you rightly say. But like you say, I think one of his big attributes that I've spotted throughout the season when I have watched Auburn the three or four times that I have is that he is a big moment player. When there's sort of a clutch moment, a play that he needs to sort of make a breakthrough, obviously he did this on the weekend, I'm thinking back to the Oregon game at the start of the season as well, when there's those plays where he needs to really make a play, and he often does it with his legs rather than his arm, he often comes up with it, and I I think it's hats off to him to kind of do that and drag his his team over the line when he's so young. Yeah, I think he should be really pleased, and if you're an Auburn fan, you know, I think best case scenario here, you might have a kind of Jake Fromm kind of player on your hands mm. obviously a bit different in terms of um, the way they play the game but in terms of a guy who can take you to a national championship he he, he can do that um, after a game like this So you're not sort of shying away from what Gus Malzahn was saying after the after the game um, you know, it was literally seconds obviously it's soundbite time for reports and things like that. But Gus Malzahn <laughs> said that, you know, uh, Gus, uh, Gus Nix, Bo Nix will win a championship at Auburn. You're not shying away from that. You kind of believe that could happen. I think Gus Malzahn is such an amazing coach. And this team doesn't require him to throw for 400, 500 yards every game. Mm. Um, their their defence looks good and they've, they've got some young guys on there as well. Um, so I, I think so. I think if... Um, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly not someone. He, uh, he can certainly win them playoff games. I know mm. that much. But um, is he going to win them the game on his own? Probably not. But um, 
you know, he uh, he's a, he's a good player and he's he's shown it in the biggest moment of the season. Yeah, definitely. And Auburn, one of these schools that's always going to recruit pretty well. Obviously, around Alabama, in a hotbed of talent. Obviously, quite a lot of competition around them as well. But they're obviously still always going to pick up good players, always in and around there. So if they, like you say, if they can sort of build a team around Bo Nix and play to his strengths, then yeah, maybe like you say, maybe a, a Jake from kind of college career will be sort of in the offing and you know maybe a championship or two. You never know in the next few years. I think the other guy on the other side of the field, uh, Matt Jones, uh, also played pretty well. Uh, made a couple of mistakes, mm-hmm. obviously. I think well, the one really poor interception where he really sailed it over Jerry Judy and uh, Smoke Monday. By the way, great name. Uh, returned it for mm-hmm. six. Um, but I think Matt Jones, Mac Jones was pretty unfortunate with the second interception when Najee Harris kind of tried to catch it behind his back and that was picked off. And it's kind of unfortunate they were both returned for six as well. And but again, I think Mac Jones can be can be really pleased with how he played, all in all. What do you say? Mm. Um, no? I mean, they put up, well. They put they put they put up a lot of points. Let's give him that. And he you know he threw a lot of yards, and he did make some um, some nice passes. You know, the corner out to uh, Jalen Waddle was was lovely, mm-hmm. um, and he threw a couple of other nice kind of outbreaking routes, but. He's just not ready yet. I mean, it's quite clear. In a way, it almost would have been better if um, Tua would have got injured earlier in the year because he just isn't game ready. Like, he makes too many of those throws where it's just like, ooh. And even the, you know, I heard a few people say, oh, that, that pick six, the 100-yard pick six on the goal line mm. wasn't his fault. But a quarterback, you know, the, the, the sack stat, is a quarterback stat more than anything. And he still threw it wild, even though there was a free blitzer. You know, uh, mm-hmm. a, a better quarterback, a more game-ready quarterback doesn't necessarily um, make that mistake. Um, so I, I'm not hating on him. I just think he clearly wasn't ready to win the game mm-hmm. um, uh, because those mistakes were huge. Um, they were, they were, you can't mistake that. Um, yeah. Sure. No, that's, that's, I think that's fair. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's quite inexperienced, but I think, you know, going into next year, obviously, if Tua leaves to the NFL, which I think he will, as we've said in previous weeks, he's going to you know, potentially be the starter next year for Alabama, which is quite exciting for him. And I think games like this will stand him in good stead. And I don't think he's disgraced himself um, in any no. way. Not that, not that you were saying that. I know you weren't, but... Um, no, no, yeah. But some people um, have said that. Yeah. yeah. You're right, you're right. He definitely hasn't. And um, I think, you know, maybe the, the best trait he had was the fact that he let his playmakers play. Mm. And he's got a bunch of playmakers on that team. Um, I don't think we can leave this game without mentioning Jalen Waddle's four touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, unbelievable performance. And we've seen him have big touchdowns in the past. He had a, I think it was probably a 65-yard punt return against uh, LSU mm. earlier yeah, in the yeah. year. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, the best thing Matt Jones did was get him the ball in his hands so he could run. Yes, no, definitely. And obviously, facilitating Najee Harris, who had another great game. And Amazing. I think another, yeah. another player that had a really good game that we've mentioned in the past is Jedrick Wills. I think he really showed out in this game again. And for me, and I think for a lot of people, he kind of elevated himself up a lot of people's rankings in this game. Yeah, I, um, I think I saw a stat where someone was saying, oh, he. He gave up a few touchdowns this game. Uh, sorry, not touchdowns. Um, penalties. Penalties. Yeah. I didn't actually notice it live, but just watching his blocking, he, he's very polished. Um, mm. And he's doing some good things. Um, also, 
even though they gave a bunch of points on defense, Xavier McKinney looked good again. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. taking the ball away. Mm. He reminds me of um, Minka Fitzpatrick in that way. Um, you know, another guy from that secondary who has gone to the NFL mm-hmm. and is almost like a specialist takeaway player. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, Xavier McKinney. I'm sure there'll be NFL players looking at him, going, even if he's not a first rounder, he's someone who can make our team better. Yeah, right sure. Now. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. He, he's that um, kind of same position as Mike, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, sorry, again, isn't it? So kind of draw, easy to draw those comparisons. And obviously the success that Minka's had in his early career and now with the Steelers, um, it's really sort of boosted their D. Um, you know, so it's really easy to sort of point the finger and, like you say, say, yeah, he's going to make us better when looking at Xavier McKinney. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, and then the only the name on that side that you mentioned was... Uh, was Najee Harris? I mean, mm. he is really building up a hell of a, a hell of a um, case to be taken mm. high in the draft because every big game, he looks like the best player on the field. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he, what a what a season he's had. Um, after a slow start as well, mm. um, you know, I think we kind of on this podcast even challenged him to do see a bit more from him. And in the two biggest moments of the year, he's been Alabama's best player. So, fair play to him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess the only bad thing to come from this, well, not the only bad thing, but one of the biggest bad things from Alabama's point of view is this kind of takes them out of playoff contention, wouldn't you think? 100%. I yeah. can't see how how they get back now. Uh, um, you know, They've got to look towards next year. I know they've got a bowl game probably, but mm. um, realistically, I can't see how they, they make the playoffs and they don't deserve it. I'm not hating on them, but you know, they just don't deserve it after these two losses. Yeah, sure. No, I'd agree with um, that. Yeah, and uh, who knew that Auburn's um, defense would would show up like that in the big moment? You know, so a well done to Auburn. They deserved it. Um, yeah, a lot to look forward to for them next year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just I guess one final person to mention was Derek Brown again. Really showed out. Really making me look silly with my preseason prediction and my preseason scouting report on him. Um, just showed all sorts of athleticism, getting to the passer. He's made a lot of people look silly, to be honest, because mm. he uh, he's been he's had such a good year. But I think you know Auburn have actually got some good young players as well. So Kobe McLean, the linebacker, who got about twelve tackles in the mm-hmm. game. He's a sophomore. Smoke Monday's a sophomore. Mm. That's quite a young side. So um, watch out for Auburn next year because yeah. they've got the makings of of some real. You know, they're a dangerous side, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled for Auburn next year. Let's move on to the big clash in the Big Ten, uh, Ohio State travelling to the big house in Michigan and really making pretty light work of them in the end. Uh, Shea Patterson had a pretty decent game, much better than I thought he ever could throw in for over 300 yards. But the star of the show was J.K. Dobbins on the other side, wasn't it? Over 200 yards. And again, like Najee Harris, is kind of really becoming a primary figure in the sort of running back rankings for everyone now I think mm, it, it's the way they've lent on him which is mm. the thing especially yeah. with Justin Fields I think we talked about it didn't we last week about you know whether Justin Fields would be fully healthy probably wasn't and yeah. J.K. Dobbins you know stole the show I would say he really did and for the second week in a row Penn State and now this they've given him over 30 carries whereas previously in his career never had over 30 carries um, he's racked up a bunch of touchdowns and he just looks He's perfect for that scheme, and he runs uh, he runs it well. And they are such a uh, physical side. I mean, if you look at the first half, I was watching that game thinking, 
um, you know, Michigan came to play. Michigan had a yeah, really yeah, good yeah. game plan. If it wasn't for a really kind of unfortunate fumble, um, and it really was unfortunate. I saw some people hating on um, uh, Patterson for it, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I felt like he was really hard done by. It was such a uh, unlucky um, play. And then straight after that, unfortunately, they gave up a touchdown, and it was like 28-13 at the half. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, they were... They, they they came out great. They had a really good game plan, and I think the thing that's most impressive about J.K. Dobbins is he almost was the the hammer that helped wear down a very game and a very come to play Michigan side. Um, yeah, no, Michigan started really well, and like you say, it just kind of just got away from him. And in the end, uh, you know, like the bounce of the ball and you know a few plays and just class hold in the end. But um, do you hold any hope for Michigan going forward? Do you think Harbaugh will be there next year and Don Brown and all the rest of the staff? Um, I was disappointed in Don Brown, to be honest. I mean, he's he's obviously had a lot of success in his career mm. and he is a very impressive guy. And sure. uh, yeah, I all account sure. him a, a, good, a great person, a great person in the sport. But um, I'm just not sure. I, I can't see how, how you can give up basically 60 points two years in a row versus an Ohio State team. Um, and still be, you know, in your job. Your main job there is to go beat these playoff-ready teams. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And I know they're not the most talented defense this year, um, but they were pretty good last year, and the year before that, um, they were very good as well. Well, I mean, they haven't lost... They've lost talent, don't get me wrong, and they're not mm. as good as Ohio State. Um, but they have got better players... Better, worse defenses have, have held Ohio State to a lot less points than that. Um so I'd be very disappointed if I was if I was Don Brown, but I do think Harbaugh keeps his job. Um, they've had a really good resurgence this back end of the year, and I could see him having one last crack at it. Yeah, for sure. I think I wish I'd um, sort of kind of known that you were going to sort of mention about the talent. I saw a stat earlier on today when I was doing a bit of podcast prep, but I didn't make a note of it that the amount of five star recruits that Michigan have managed to get in the Harbaugh area is actually way more than Ohio State. I can't remember the numbers. Um, mm. But then Ohio State actually convert them into much better draft picks for the NFL, yeah. which obviously is coaching. Um, and Urban Meyer, Ryan, now Ryan Day, are outperforming you know, John Harbaugh in that regard. I would say I, I really wish I kept the numbers, but it was it was quite sort of eye opening that um, you know they they get best players in, but they don't do anything with them or as much with them. Let's say so. Yeah, quite interesting think, on that I one. Th- I think that's a fair play, like a fair. Uh, statement because one of the things about them is that they really are Ohio State a good side improving players you know not everyone does that in the NFL they pretty much don't improve at all you know they're, they're there for they're there and that's it you know they mm. it's about how good they are when they get there kind of thing um, but Ohio State make players better mm. and um, uh, so so yeah I mean we'll uh, we'll see what happens with Harbaugh, but um, they certainly don't have as good coaching staff by the looks of it. No, I don't think John. Uh, yeah, John Harbaugh can. Um, I don't think he'll survive another loss to Ohio State. It's getting ridiculous now, isn't it? The way he just cannot even buy a win <laughs> against the the old rivals. Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there any other games from the weekend that you want to mention before we start previewing these championship games? I think the only one that's worth mentioning is the um, the Virginia rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two sides who are, um, in a lot of ways, kind of overachieving 
away. And that sounds a, a strange thing to say because they've got seven losses between the two of them. But I don't think either of them had a lot of um, buzz coming into the year. And I've seen some really good signs from Virginia Tech um, defense. Has had done some good things, and I think uh, at times their their passing game with Hendon Hookers looked good. Mm. I think Bryce Perkins has kind of emerged as a guy who can get them a lot of wins. Um, and their two sides, I feel like on their day they can do they can do some great things. I mean, they, you know, this isn't the the highest quality football ever, but it was a really well fought um, rivalry and um, a great game to watch, um, even if it wasn't fully playoff uh, contention. Yeah, sure. I think in the grand scheme of the ACC, I think perhaps along with Wake Forest, these are the best two teams not named Clemson. Mm. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think Bryce Perkins stood out, especially in that game. He had himself a real big day. Um, I think he'd counted for something like 97% of Virginia's yards passing, and then he had wow. obviously 164 yards rushing. He had 311 passing. Uh, just as the numbers loaded up for me there. Um, so, yeah, you know, massive sort of part of their offence. And he's not done it every week by any count, any stretch of the imagination. But obviously, during that game, he was their offence, which shows the sort of ceiling that he's got. And, you know, if we're talking about moving forward in the draft um, and, you know, whether you're going to take sort of a flyer, a late day flyer, because obviously a late, you know, day three pick Bryce Perkins if he's picked at all. You know, it's a ceiling that you can sort of point to as a, as a player marketing yourself to the team. And, you know, if you've got this dual threat ability, it, it's something that, you know, it's a lot, not a lot of players have. So something is in, in his corner for sure moving forward and we'll see, you know, where that takes him. You know, and he's got a, another big game on the horizon, which we'll come on to in our next section as well. Yep, I agree, yeah. And um, it's a real shame. Obviously, one of my, I just want to, while we're talking about Virginia, one of my favourite players coming into the year was Bryce Hall. It's a bit of a shame that he's not around to you know, sort of play in these big games and sort of showcase his skills. Could see him go up against the Clemson receivers would have been really good. I had him down as a first round pick. He probably is not going to be picked that now because with the ACL. Um, I was a real big fan, and yeah, I think he's going to he's going to be a real bargain tomorrow on day two of the draft if he uh, comes out this year. It's going to hurt his draft stock for sure. Definitely, definitely. It's obviously, it's a, you know, an ACL injury for a, a corner taking away some of that explosivity. Um, can can really limit them. Hopefully, it's not the case. But uh, yeah, we'll see. But I think you know, if he makes full recovery, he's going to be a real bargain for someone on day two. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on to our championship week preview. So yeah, let's get into this then. Um, let's start chronologically. Um, the first one is UK time, Friday morning at one o'clock, so effectively Thursday night, Pac-12 uh, championship game between Utah and Oregon at Levi Stadium in San Francisco. Now, obviously, this is between two teams that haven't faced each other this season, which I, can, I think kind of makes it really tantalising, to be honest with you, because they've not weighed each other up like yeah. other teams might have, who we'll talk about later on. Um, you know, and they, they're kind of opposite teams. You know, I think... Utah are obviously very defensively sort of based. That's their best. That's their best half of their team. That's their strength. Whereas Oregon, obviously, we spoke about it before, is uh, the offense and their system and Justin Herbert the way he executes in it. So can Justin Herbert get back to his best and overcome you know the Utah D? Is I guess the big question surrounding this game. What do you say? I think I totally agree because you know most people will be focusing on the Herbert versus this talented, um, explosive defense mm. of Utah. Um, I think uh, uh, it's also going to have to be a big, big game for Herbert. 
Because yes. on the other side, um, Zach Moss has just become the all-time leading rusher for Utah. And even though you don't think – I don't think Utah's offense is going to light up the world, they're going to put points up. They're going to make it difficult for Oregon. And uh, Herbert's going to have to bring out the best game he's had. I think, um, you know, one of the things that's um, positive for Oregon is that they've probably got a bit of a chip on the shoulder. They've learned somewhat from uh, what happened in that Arizona game, or Arizona State game, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they will have a plan for if a team goes kind of heavy press on the outside. Um, they've, they've got too smart a coaching staff that they, mm. they will be more prepared. And they actually did a good job in the second half in that game as well. So, um Utah are going to come out. They're going to be physical. They've got some guys who, um, as we know, are um, dangerous. Uh, you know, cornerback uh, Jalen Johnson, is it? Um, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, he's so um, exciting and just such a ball hawk, just ready to jump on it all the time. Um, so it's going to be a real challenge. It's so exciting that we haven't seen them play each other yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's basically can Herbert beat a really quality defense? Mm. And I think he needs it in, in a kind of PR sense. You know, this late in the season, you know, the draft is looming. Justin Herbert's going to come out. He's going to be one of the better quarterbacks available. You know, and he's just suffered a big PR hit with this loss that he, you know, and it, well, the um, performance that he put in uh, against Arizona State. And can he now bounce back almost straight away against, you know, the, one of the better Ds in college football? And if he does, you know, people are going to then point to the Arizona State game as a bit of a blip if Utah get on top of him and he looks a bit flustered. Draft stock's going to be affected. So it's a big game for him personally. And obviously it's his legacy at Utah uh, in what will be his last game. So can he bring them a Pac-12 championship? Is, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I might do a little bit of a special thing for this game. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. A bit of an announcement um, mm. coming soon, um, perhaps. Um, but yeah, we'll leave that one under the hat for now. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this one. Obviously, as a Pac-12 fan, obviously, it's the best two teams in the Pac-12, quite clearly, uh, shook out over the season like that. And there's a lot of good NFL talent that's going to be on show in this game. Um, so yeah, no, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, it really is. I'm, uh, I'm excited for it too. Um, yeah, can't, I can't wait to see how it plays out. If you, you know, also the one thing that I think we're all kind of secretly rooting for mm. is that if Utah <laughs> do win... If Utah do win, there's a real, real chance that they move up to the fourth spot. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I can't help but want to root for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, we'll, we'll see. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, I think this is something you brought this morning or last night, I think it was, in our group chat, that we'll talk about Oklahoma versus Baylor now. And, you know, Oklahoma are in the kind of the same position. You know, they'd be right in the mix if they beat Baylor again and you know it'd be kind of obviously Utah are ahead of them in the rankings at the moment um, they're number six or probably number seven with Alabama just above them obviously they don't play um, and it's going to be kind, kind of giving the committee a decision to make you know who to put in the number four spot um, yeah. what are you looking for in this Baylor versus Oklahoma game second time around um, can Baylor start again and kind of sustain it or do you think Oklahoma will take it I think the, one of the big problems for Baylor in this game is that Oklahoma's defense played terribly in the first half mm. last time. Mm-hmm. Like, they really did. And um, they have just come back so strong the past few weeks. It's literally unbelievable. They had three games in a row now where their defense has won the game on the last play of the game, um, which is not, not the Oklahoma State game. No, no. 
Yeah, T- TCU, Baylor, and Iowa State, mm. three weeks in a row where they won it on a big defensive play. Um, so Oklahoma's defense, although they've given up points, although they're not perfect, they're back. And mm. uh, they will really, you know, Baylor are never an easy team to play. No, no, they'll come out with some different plays. They create very easy throws for um, Charlie Brewer. Um, but just the way that defense has been rolling ever since the second half of the Baylor game. Um, I'm quite excited to, to see this matchup, but I think ultimately they're not going to be able to score enough points um, against the uh, Jalen Hurts rushing machine. Mm. <laughs> and it is the Jalen Hurts machine, really, isn't it? I think we talked about him in the past well, on many occasions throughout the season. Do you think it kind of um, is more of a disadvantage to Baylor that they've played so recently and obviously they've seen each other this season? I do. I think it disadvantages Baylor. Um, for no other reason than that Oklahoma have got some game-changing players in their defense. Mm. And Baylor are very much a, what's a nice way to put this, you know, a manufactured success offense. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, like it, they've got some brilliant coaches. They make very easy throws for the quarterback. And that's why they've had some struggles in the fourth quarter of games, late on in games, um, because, you know, all the kind of, tricks that they brought into the game maybe mm-hmm. of kind of um not there or or you, you know so so don't be wrong it's going to be close two very good sides i've loved watching every moment of baylor this year um i really have i think they've just been a, a breath of fresh air to mm. see a team so a team just so close to that one and 11 season so many of the players who were there for the one eleven season mm-hmm. um and yeah. switched around on its head completely <laughs> Exactly. Um, but the truth is, when they lost to Kansas State, they were down by a fair few points and they tried to throw the ball. They only ended up th- th- uh, running the ball 26 times. When they played Baylor the second game, they ended up rushing the ball 52 times, double the amount of times they rushed the ball versus Kansas State. Mm-hmm. And that is where their bread and butter is. That's what they're good at. And that's what I think they're going to do again. Um, so it's going to be exciting. AT and T Stadium as well, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, On the big makes, stage. Yeah, it gives it a bit of extra buzz. Um, it's going to be such a fun game as well. Um, excited for that one. Good time, UK time as well, isn't it? It's a five pm one. It is five pm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's prime time for us. No, no staying up late <laughs> to uh, yeah. take that one in. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So uh, really looking forward to it. Um, but I do think. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to give his one last stand, um, and really, you know, whoever whoever comes out of this this double this double header here of the Utah and um, Oklahoma uh, Baylor, whoever mm. comes out of this best um, is likely going to be getting a fourth spot. Yeah, obviously, we're, we're qualifying this with um, LSU and Georgia going the way of LSU, and Georgia not winning that. Well, we'll get to that, but yeah, I, that's exactly where my head is. Just before everyone thinks we're getting ahead of ourselves, that, that's what we mean. Um, do you think you what do you think Utah or Oklahoma make it? Then let's just have it out. Let's just go straight to the straight to the question. I think because of what we saw from um, Oregon in the second half versus Arizona State, I, th- I think that they'll put up enough points um, to win that game, which means that. Oklahoma, I think, will win. Will mm. end up likely getting the fourth spot at this point. 
Um, but if Utah win, I think it's winning in. Yes, I do as well, because obviously they're ahead of them in the rankings as things stand already. Correct, yeah. Yeah, I think that. I think Utah will win. I think, I don't know, I just have this feeling that, you know, Justin Herbert's missing a few playmakers uh, that he would have had, you know, ideally at the start of the season. And Utah's defence is just so strong. I just think they're just rolling at the moment. I think they're going to win. I do think Oklahoma will win, but like you just said, I think it's winning in. Uh, so I think Utah yeah. take it and prove a lot of people right. You know, that was kind of scoffed at when a lot of people thought of Utah will make it. Um, at the start of the season, and you know, there's been a few funky results. You know, Alabama not having the strongest season, Oklahoma, who I predicted to go undefeated, haven't gone undefeated um, throughout the whole season, and it's you know allowed Utah to make it if that is the case. But it's nice for the Pac-12, and obviously I'm all for it for that one. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to the SEC and this other game that's kind of in the mix of this: LSU versus Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's kind of offense versus defense, isn't it? I think um, it's only sort of one way to look at it. It's a high-powered offense versus a Georgia D that's really kept them in it as uh, the last few games have gone. Really, so true. Yeah, you know they um, they've really had some big, big games. Um, Auburn, you know, holding to less held Auburn to less than four yards of play. Mm-hmm. Auburn already to less than four yards of play. Held um, uh, pretty much most, most teams this year. Um, they they shut down. Um, primarily in the rushing defense. But the big thing that I think that LSU have got going for them is that LSU are not a rushing attack. No. You know, that, <laughs> the, the rushing game is very much complementary to the passing game, not the other way around. Um, so the big benefit of what Georgia do, you know, if you just run through like every week, they're, they're holding teams to kind of less than two yards of rush. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M had like minus rushing yards in the day. Um <laughs> They are just a dominant front six with big NFL players. Um, but that's not what LSU do. Have we seen their 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 DBs tested this year? Kind of not really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to go along with that. You know, even, yeah, even Florida kind of threw the ball around on them a little bit, especially in the fourth quarter. Trask came out and threw it all over the park. So mm. um, are they going to be able to... Um, hold down that LSU receiving core. I can't see it really. No. <laughs> um, and it's it's not that they're it's not that they're not good. They just I just can't see them scoring enough points. That's it. That's exactly it. That's one one thing that I've written in my notes for this game is just one question mark is that can Jake from keep up with LSU? And we've not seen any evidence to say that that is likely to happen, really. You know, we've we've sort of talked about Jake from quite a lot and the, his sort of virtues as sort of high IQ, not going to make any bad decisions and kind of keep you in the game and let his D win the game for him in a low-scoring game. But this isn't going to be a low-scoring game, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, you know, LSU's yeah. offense is going to wind it up, probably. And yeah. I don't know if Jake Crum can do that. I don't know if he's built for that. I don't know if this Georgia team is built for that. And for that reason, I can't really see this going any other way than a pretty heavy LSU win. I agree. I think the one thing they've got going for them um, if they can really get rolling with DeAndre Swift, because mm. um, he's excellent. You know, he's such a uh, he's got game breaking speed. You know, they've had a couple of weird games in bad weather this year. Um, the Kentucky game, for one, I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. where you know nothing was really happening all day long um, from the passing perspective. I think they had like you know less than uh, less than 50 yards passing or something crazy. Because um, the weather was awful. Yes. And as the game went on, uh, a bit like what we were saying about um, 
uh, earlier on about kind of a grinding down with the run game. Um, that's the kind of thing that Georgia needs to do. So if Swift goes for six, seven yards a carry, um, and you know they they just keep it a little bit close on the defensive side, um, then then yeah, that's their only real chance of doing this right now. Mm. Um, it's not impossible. Um, you know, Auburn held them to whatever it was, 20, 22, 23 points. Sure. Um, I just I just think it's unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's quite cool as well. I think both of us have sort of uh, earmarked kind of wide receiver and the cornerback uh, grouping as, you know, really strong uh, classes moving into the draft. I think, you know, on just on this tonight's episode alone, we've kind of spoken about quite a few running backs. Obviously, we'll mention a couple more. The top of the running back rankings is going to be really, really hectic and there's going to be a lot of difference in opinion, but there's a lot of good players there. You know, we've mentioned Najee Harris, mentioned John Dre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. I'm sure we'll mention Jonathan Taylor and obviously Travis Etienne later on. Uh, you know, this is a lot, this is a really good running back class that we've got coming up and there's many more names, not just limited to those five that I've just mentioned, but this is a really good running back group. It's true. There are other names as well. There really are. I mean, it's um, we've got a bunch of good players coming out, um, and it's whether or not you know these kind of end of season games are big because you know not all of these guys are going to go in the first round. No, sure. But if they can move themselves up, if they yeah yeah, if, if they move themselves from a fourth to a second rounder, that's kind of life changing money. And I know it's not all about money, and I know it's about bigger picture, but but it really is. So the the games that these running backs are playing now is is really important for um, what they've got ahead of them. Mm. And especially with the way that the kind of position is, you know, with the new C, with the, well, not the new CBA, the current CBA, in the way that running backs kind of, kind of discarded and they're not given second contracts, you know, I'm a child of channels, obviously I've gone through the Melvin Gordon thing this year. You know, it's important for them. And, yeah. You know, like you say, it's not all about money, um, but for your running backs, it kind of get as much as you can as quick as you can because you might be just chucked to the garbage heap almost as quickly as you, know, you come into the league almost. So it is important for them. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, looking forward to uh, to seeing who comes out top. But I think uh, in this game, DeAndre Swift has, has really got to carry it because we saw LSU give up a lot of rushing yard in, in the Mississippi game. Mm. Um, you know, Ole Miss really were um, on fire that day. So um, and LSU couldn't stop them. I think they had like 400 yards rushing. So if DeAndre Swift has that kind of day, not only may he give himself a first round status but he also might get himself this game yeah definitely it's going to be one to watch for sure uh, if anything else if nothing else it's going to be another chance to see Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase for uh, another game which is obviously a pleasure every time uh, you watch it because oh, they're absolutely really on fire is. at the moment aren't they Jamar Chase has got something like 800 yards yeah. and 8 touchdowns in the last 5 games or something like that hasn't he? so um, you know that young man's on fire and obviously we spoke, I was speaking about uh, the wide receiver class for next year and um, you know he's potentially right at the top of the tree uh, for that one. So yeah, um, some future scouting going in on Saturday definitely for Jamar Chase. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, he's just he's just electric. He really is. Um, and um, he's one of them where you know even those those numbers you just rattled off, it almost doesn't feel like enough because every game <laughs> he, just, he just he just takes over, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing actually, the one thing I was watching the. Um, I was watching the which one was it now the Mississippi State game, and Cameron Dantzler was on him man coverage all day, and that was the I think it was the only game all year where he's had less than fifty yards receiving. So, you know, I don't want to get too. I I wasn't Cameron (laughs) Dantzler's biggest fan before, 
But I mean, that's 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 real numbers. You that's know? an accolade, mm-hmm. isn't it, this season? Hundred percent. So um, yeah, one to watch uh, later is uh, Cameron Dantzler. I know a lot of people have already got him on their radar as kind of a, a potentially higher round cornerback. Um, but yeah, that just really stands out when you're looking at Jamar Chase's box score. Mm, there we go. Go and watch um, the tape on Cameron Dantzler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to let's move on to the Big Ten. Uh, I think this will be slightly more competitive uh, out of the remaining two Power Five games we're going to speak about. Uh, Ohio State versus Wisconsin at Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis. Obviously, this game has happened already this season, and OSU ran out 38-7 to winners. Hopefully, it's going to be a bit more competitive than that. What do you reckon? Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. It's kind of, Ohio State have kind of bulldozed people so much this season. We've kind of become institutionalised by it. than the thought of it, I'd say, and just think it's going to happen every single time. Kind of. I think the one thing that Wisconsin have got going for them, which is, um, you know, not ma- it wouldn't have been a massive surprise at the start of the year, but um, they pretty much manhandled Minnesota in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor actually had kind of a quiet game in some ways. <laughs> for like his standards. <laughs> yeah, for his standards. But as a team, you know, they rushed for nearly 200 yards and they bullied the Minnesota run game. Um, and Ohio State fundamentally is a built on the run. I mean, mm, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the fact of it. They really, really got slowed down versus Penn State. Penn State came out and they got loads of pressure just with the front four. I think the question is really that: Can Wisconsin put up a fight um, in the in the box? They didn't really do it last time, mm. so you know that's why we're all skeptical. I'm, I think. Um, it, you know, we've got reason to be sceptical, but at the same time, it's not impossible. Um, I just, I just think that Ohio State have come through two big wars, and mm. I don't think we're <laughs> going to slip up at this point. Um, no, probably not. Yeah, I would say, I would say it's probably another one of those that we've kind of been talking about for, for Georgia and maybe Baylor as well, where you've got to kind of control the clock a little bit, run well get plenty yeah. of yards on the ground. Obviously, they've got all good weapons to do so, obviously, in Jonathan Taylor. Um, better than any other weapon, probably, from my mind, at running back in the college football ranks. Um, but that's the key to victory, isn't it? You know, taking up the clock, frustrating Ohio State. Although, you know, you're running against a great D. <laughs> so, it's kind of pity poison with Ohio State a little bit in terms of, you know, they don't really have a weak side of the team as much. But, um, yeah, that's the, that's the key to victory for me, you know, using Jonathan Taylor and looking after the football and, kind of chewing up the clock and making it a, sh- a, a short game. Yeah, exactly. I think we've seen two sides in a row now, Penn State in the second half and Michigan in the first half, come out and have quite clearly um, well-packaged plays to take advantage of um, a higher state. You know, they were very ready to, to, to catch them off guard. Um, but that's all you get with this defense. You know, you're you're just trying to trick them. Uh, and when it comes to the, the big moment of the game and you've got to drive down the field, um, you've got Chase Young in your face. And it's not hyperbole to say that he deserves Heisman discussion because he's just ridiculous. Sure. Yeah, no, if, if it was an award in the sort of truest sense, you know, the best yeah. player in college football, maybe, you know, it should be going his way. Exactly. So I don't um, think it's going to be a fun day in the office if we're going to have to throw the ball. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. 
I guess uh, just to round it out, kind of prediction-wise, we don't see it going any other way than Ohio State. Not really giving Wisconsin much of a chance myself. Yeah, I agree, really. That's a shame. <laughs> because it's a shame that we're going to have to talk about Virginia at Clemson as well, which is taking place in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium, which is, of course, the Panthers Stadium in yep. the NFL. Um, again, this is kind of one-sided. We just talked about the ACC a moment ago at the start of the podcast. Very, very one-sided conference in general. Virginia, probably the second-best team or in that cluster of teams just behind Clemson, or quite far behind Clemson, should I say, but definitely in second tier. It's going to take another monster performance by Bryce Perkins and a lot of luck, I would say. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, yeah, you've kind of nailed it. They, they don't... They, it doesn't feel like they have a legitimate chance and they've come off a pretty emotional mm. um, Virginia rivalry game against Virginia Tech. Um, the way it finished it was, it, was, it was pretty emotional the players put everything on the table um, which was great to see um, and also I think the only bonus is we haven't seen these two teams play this year sure uh, yeah yeah which is always fun you know t- coaches are um, it's much easier for them to do something new and and um, you know, should surprise if, if you know they haven't already kind of been sussed out once um, but the way that defence is playing is um, it's incredible that we're underrating Clemson defense again, um, but you can't not because it's hard to see how dominant they've been in recent mm. weeks. And I know they haven't played the most amazing teams, um, but but Wake Forest were pretty handy, and and uh, NC State have got some good players. So um, right now I, they're dominant. I can't see anything other than them being dominant for Bryce Perkins. No, unfortunately not. I'm not even going to make a case to be honest with you. Clemson have. They've just gone about business, haven't they? At the end of the day, I think they've got their eyes on what's coming up in the college football playoff rather than you know playing the ACC because they know that they're the class of it, and it's you know it's not even close kind of thing. I think we're going to be looking forward obviously to the college football playoff after this week, and the game potentially against Ohio State will be an absolute blockbuster for me. Maybe two of the most complete rosters in college football, so that'll be definitely one to watch and one for us to sort of digest beforehand as well. Totally agree. I think I can't. I mean, if that does happen, Ohio State Clemson, then um, when was the last time you saw two such dominant college football defenses? Like that is really um, going to be something impressive. Mm. Um, to yeah, I mean, the 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 first time they really were challenged by some talent this year um, in that Wake Forest game, and they held them to like less than two yards of rush. I just felt like every time Newman touched the ball, they they had about four players in the backfield. <laughs> They're playing really good football right now. They really are. And I know they had a funny start to the year, but even Lawrence looks good over the past few weeks mm. after a bit of a rough start. So, um, yeah, they're going to shut down again this week, and then we're going to see a blockbuster of a as you mentioned, a blockbuster of a, of a defensive um, uh, match against Ohio State. And also, just I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves discussing a potential Ohio State versus Clemson game, but obviously a nice little prequel to potentially next year's draft and Trevor Lawrence facing off against Justin Fields and yeah. you know, a little battle for QB1 next yeah. year. So I want to watch out for there as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of the Power 5. Let's move on to probably what is the 6th uh, and you know, best of the group of five conferences, that's the American uh, conference. And we, we see a repeat of Cincinnati at Memphis. Yeah, what a brilliant game. I mean, I don't know if, um, if, if you've got a chance to watch it, but so Memphis-Cincinnati played this week mm-hmm. um, and um, both sides had one loss going into it. 
they were both 10 and 1 and um, honestly both of them have got uh, a uh, not only uh, good players, you know, for that level, but also uh, amazing coaching. Special teams is so competitive. You know, every time either one of those quarterbacks touches your ball, you think um, something special can happen because their scheme ups are amazing things. They both are excellent rushing attacks. At uh, the, the end of the day, Memphis passed the ball really, really well again mm-hmm. um, to complement their run game because they're, they're primarily a, you know, a heavy running team. You know, Cincinnati couldn't keep up. Cincinnati's starting quarterback earlier in the year. Uh, I've got his name now, Ridder. Yes, um, Desmond Ridder. Yeah, so he wasn't playing in this game. And, and I, I don't think Ben Bryant... Although Ben Bryant's a good quarterback, he's not as good as Ridder. I'm certainly not as good a run threat. Um, so it was a really fun game last week. You know, in most of the time when you watch these back-to-back rematches, they're a bit weird and maybe not the funnest. Mm. Um <laughs> But I am excited for this again. I think they're just two great teams. And when, when most times you watch um, games back-to-back, you know, it really is down to which coaches make the biggest differences. And, and um, these are two excellent coaching staffers, uh, staffs. They really are. Um, you know, all the buzz around Memphis's Norvell, um, that's, that's real. I mean, he might, not only, he might be taking one of the biggest jobs in college football later uh, this year. Um, so even if you're just you're one of these fans who has whose uh, head coach has been let go, mm. um, then uh, maybe you want to watch this game because Norvell's going to go to a bigger team. He's too talented. He's too good a coach. Um, it's it's quite exciting to be honest. And and Luke Fickle's the same. Luke Fickle was uh, Ohio State for many years. Yeah. Cincinnati head coach. Um, and there's no reason why he's not going to take up a big coaching job in the next few years as well. So um, just as far as coaches go, two of the brightest sparks in college football right now. Um, and it's going to be great to see them uh, rival uh, again after already having a, a bit of a battle last week. Yeah, sure. Definitely. No, it's, it's nice. I think it's kind of it's kind of nice to see the adjustments that these coaching staff will make, obviously without any time really to digest the, the game that's just gone. And, um, you know, I think we've, we've both kind of mentioned these teams quite a lot. We've kind of become, you know, regulars on the podcast to mention these two teams. And that's kind of our, I don't know what's the right word, our kind of, um, I can't think of the right word. Um, it, it's just been so exciting. I mean, Tulsa um, have got like a terrible record, but they've been competitive every every week. You've got teams like, um, you know, we've talked about them before, but SMU have yeah, had a great sure. year. Tulane have been so exciting. This has been such a competitive conference. And I'm one of these guys who is a big fan of, of the American Conference and, mm. and what they can be maybe in the future. Um, and I think that, you know, you know, one day they will get their opportunity to have a, a bigger shot. Um, and I can't wait till that happens because there's some brilliant coaching in this conference. There's some really good teams. Um, you know, maybe they're not at the top level of some of these playoff sides, mm-hmm. um, but um, they're playing excellent football and it's just good entertaining football every time you watch it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I could watch Cincinnati Memphis every week, to be honest. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a really good conference. It's kind of it's where you get the stepping stones. You know, these are really good teams playing at a really good level. Like I said, when I introduced the, the match, it's kind of like the sixth conference. It's the top of the group of five. And, you know, if you play well in this conference, you do get ranked, you know, towards the end of the rankings and maybe a bit higher onto these two teams 
are kind of in the middle, sort of in the teens and things like that. So, you know, you get some recognition and it means that you get onto sort of bigger jobs and bigger things for your players as well. So they're getting national recognition as well off the back of that. So yeah, no, really good conference. Obviously, we have spoken at length about this uh, conference and these two teams. So yeah, looking forward to that one as well. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the Mountain West and it's sort of like the final sort of game that we're going to really concentrate on. This should be a fun one. Obviously, this had a lot of points when this uh, game was played earlier on in the season. This is going to be between Hawaii and Boise State. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of mentioned a few players. You know, I'm a big fan. I think we're both big fans of Curtis Weaver. Unfortunately, I don't think Hank Backmeyer is going to play in this one. Um, you know, the Boise mm-hmm. quarterback who we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, Cole McDonald is another one. He started the season on fire. Uh, this Hawaii team's going to put up points, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really fun game again. I think it's going to have a lot of points again, and be quite exciting if anyone wants to tune into this one. Uh, you know, want to want to see a lot of points put up? I'd, I'd definitely recommend it. Yeah, it will be good fun. I think um, Boise now over the past few years have kind of got every year slowly better and better at mm. facing this kind of. Um, classic run and shoot offense that you see from Hawaii. Mm. Um, it's, I just love that we still get teams um, running some of these um, classic offenses. You know, this offense now is like 30 years old and, <laughs> and yeah. they're still making it work. Um, they're still finding ways to beat teams and throw it around the park. Um, Boise have kind of got their number the last couple of games. Um and really, we need to see a kind of a better Hawaii performance in general if we're going to mm. see a close game here. Um, but Boise are not the same team without Batmire, so um, let's see. Let's see what happens there, and um, that really does make them weaker and more susceptible. And it's the reason they lost to BYU. You know, we could be looking at an unbeaten side right now if it was if Batmire was still on the mm. field. Um, so, so yeah, you know, um, they are um, two fun sides always love watching what Hawaii do and just seeing how teams try and stop them. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think Cole McDonald's well is another kind of draft crush for a lot of people in the summer. He's not had the greatest of seasons, but he's certainly a fun player. As I said, Hawaii do put up a lot of points. So if you kind of want to uh, get in some scouting for sort of day three quarterbacks and day three prospects, Cole McDonald could be another one if you want to kind of resurrect that one. He's got a really funky action as well. Uh, very elongated, mm. but he kind of gets the job done. Uh, he does remind does. me. <laughs> yeah, he, he reminds me of Minshew quite a lot, you know. Um, okay. Obviously, Minshew wasn't a guy who, I don't even know if he got drafted, Minshew, uh, six or he seven. He was seventh rounder, yeah. Um, yeah, and and McDonald reminds me of him loads. Like, there's something about him, you know, he's got a bit of um, life to him. He's got a bit of a funny energy. He seems like an interesting guy, um, and he really loves to throw it. He's got no fear. Um do I think he'll be able to cut in the NFL? Probably not, but no. <laughs> but um, he is certainly an interesting one, and he'll go and be a backup somewhere. So let's you know, we never know. We might see him start again in the NFL. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So if you fancy a fun game, like I say, just pop on that one if you've got nothing to do around that time. Although you will have other games on, of course. Um, that's going to wrap up what we're going to do. Obviously, we're going to mention the the other games. You wanted to mention Louisiana versus App State, didn't you? Yeah, I think. Um... I just wanted to mention Louisiana versus App State because Louisiana are one of the most interesting offenses uh, um, in football for me. I just find them so fascinating because uh, they they have a very good run game, um, very good offensive line, and know how to move well, and and, um, they put up points every week. In fact, they're a top 10 
you know, if you if you look at um, yards per game or points per game, they're a top ten offense. And if you look at yards per play, they're like a top five offense <clears> above kind of you know some big big teams. Their offense is excellent. Their defense is a, is a bit sketchy, and and they're giving up a lot of points this year. Um, and App State are the uh, well, actually they lost the first game of the year to Mississippi State, mm. but that was a really close one score game where they did some amazing things. Their only real loss, other than that, is App State. Um, so um, there, it, it was a brilliant game the first time around. It's going to be interesting again now. But but Appalachian State, uh, sorry, but Louisiana use a a pistol outside zone offense where they do lots of. Imagine watching like um, the Rams from last year, mm-hmm. but in a in a pistol offense. So it's all outside zone um, with rollouts and little dink and dunk passes for QB. Mm-hmm. It's really well structured. They use jet sweep well. Um, but they're doing it all from pistol, so it's a bit different. And to be honest, they're playing they, – they are a top 10 offense, and they're doing that with very little talent. You know, Mississippi State are obviously a significantly bigger and better sure. side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they put up 30 points on them. You know, Georgia Southern, who are incredibly uh, um, physical, mm-hmm. dominant team, the only team to beat – App State this year, um, and again they put up like forty points on them. Um, you know, if you if you're not coaching, um, this is an excellent offense and one who uh, is always exciting to watch. App State shut them down last time, but we'll see what they can do this time. It's well worth a well worth your time if you have it. Yeah, App State always this uh, kind of plucky little team, aren't they? Obviously, uh, around Carolina, where there's obviously a lot of talent in America, and they'll get hoovered up by the big schools around that area. You know, like the ACC schools, Clemson. Uh, the Carolina schools, even the Florida schools, Georgia schools. And, you know, they, they just kind of get the dregs of that, I guess. But they always seem to be ranked towards the end of the season. They always seem to be good for a sort of surprise win throughout the season. Um, so, yeah, good little program and, you know, definitely worth watching um, if you do have time or if you do fancy it. Yeah, well, they're the best team in Carolina this year. They beat North and South Carolina upstate, which is, um, you know, no small feat mm. for, a, for a side like that. Um, you know, South Carolina famously obviously beat Georgia earlier in the year. Um, they, they are a dominant defense um, and as good as any defense in college football in terms of schematically and structurally. So um, you've got a really good battle of offense versus defense just at a bit of a smaller level. <laughs> so yeah, maybe one, to, maybe one to catch up on after the sort of bigger games have passed, maybe for Sunday uh, daytime if you've got nothing to do. Maybe pop on that uh, game between Louisiana and App State. Um, just last one or two, two games to mention, just the last couple of championship games that we're not really going to cover um, in the MAC, the American Conference. We've got Miami, Ohio versus Central Michigan at Ford Field. And then in the Conference USA, we've got UAB, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham versus Florida Atlantic. Um, that's, is that still coached by, are they still coached by Lane Kiffin? Kind of. Yeah, bit of a yeah, twist on that, doesn't it? Yeah, so big name, obviously coaching a very small conference, um, obviously getting results as well. Because obviously yeah. he's made it there to the, um, the the championship game of the uh, conference USA. Yeah, I mean this isn't a betting podcast, but um, FAU are favourites to win that. But um, if you wanted to dabble, that UAB. Uh, defense is really, really staunch, um, and um, I was really surprised to see that they were underdogs as a whole. So, um, uh, if you wanted to bet against Lane Kiffin, then um, <laughs> I think UAB are a hell of, they're a hell of a bet because I was shocked to see uh, 
um, how much of an underdog they were. There we go then. Maybe we'll have to uh, get in contact with Adam, who obviously does our betting over here at the full 10 yards and just see what he, he reckons, if he's got any sort of tips on that or anything like that to do with any of these college games, not just that one. But yeah, we'll see what he thinks. Yep. So that wraps up uh, our preview of the Championship Week. Um, I think we've, I don't think we're really, uh, I don't think we're particularly many shocks really are we, between us, but I think the main thing that we can take away, maybe the thing that we're kind of both open for is for Utah to maybe beat Oregon and kind of sneak into the fourth spot. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot is riding on those three games, uh, Georgia, LSU, Utah, Oregon, and um, Oklahoma Baylor. I mean, out of those three games, uh, one of those teams is going to get the fourth spot. Mm. Who that team's going to be, um, it's hard to say right now. I think my money's probably on Oklahoma at this point, but um, who, who knows? I mean, brilliant teams out there. They're going to be playing for everything. And um, whoever does get in the playoffs out of those four, they're going to be frisky, you know? Mm. 100%, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there I, we are. I tried to guess who people don't. Yeah, oh, sorry, maybe one of the reasons I'm, I'm interested in Oklahoma as well is because I think they're the team that no one else wants to get in. Um, yeah, that's you know, interesting. You're that's Ohio interesting State point. right now. Mm. Yeah, do you really want to face Jalen Hurts? I, I doubt it. Um, I don't think anyone would want, want that. <laughs> no, exactly. So yeah, no, definitely interesting. Interesting games to come. Obviously, we're not going to do any sort of game of the week section because. You know, this championship week, they're all game of the weeks in our eyes. So, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, one last thing, just wanted to say thank you for listening once again. Uh, give us a follow, give us a subscribe, uh, rate, review. And, um, you know, if you, again, just want to remind everyone, we've still got a 10% discount code off uh, NFL Shop Europe. If you use the code full 10 at your checkout, obviously Christmas is a few weeks away. So if you're cramming in some present buying, obviously you've still got a chance to use that code. I think we'll leave it from there um, and enjoy our championship week. We'll be back next week to round that all up and look forward to bowl week, as Maxwell said earlier. So, yeah, it's a goodbye from Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And we'll see you on the other side, people. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at Full 10 Yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.